Nice. Well, good morning. You guys are singing good. Thank you for worshiping God and enjoying yourself. And how many of you love in the heat? Okay. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask how many of you don't love it. Okay. <laughs> I know it's a challenge sometimes, but hey, won't be long. We'll be saying, can you believe it's 10 below? So uh, enjoy these seasons while we have them. It changes in a hurry, doesn't it? We are so delighted to have you at Timberline today. Welcome. If you are a guest of someone or you're here by yourself, we especially just want to welcome you. We know it can be awkward to uh, visit and be a guest at a new church. There are many wonderful Bible-believing churches here in northern Colorado. Our desire is that you find a church that you can plug into and use your ministry gifts to glorify God. And if it's here at Timberline, we welcome you. If not, we, we recommend other churches to you. All we would ask if you're a guest is to take one of those connection cards out. It's in the chair back in front of you and uh, fill it out. If you want information about some of the ministries at Timberline, you can check some of the boxes on the back and we will email you some information. We, we promise not to come over or call you or sell your name to anybody. Okay? It's for your own uh, good that you fill that out if you'd like to. Thanks for being our guest today. Um, take out your bulletin. Make sure you look through it. We have some tables in the mall today. And if you're new to Timberline, those tables in the mall are a place where you can go talk to people, find out more about the ministries listed there. Some tables are sign-up tables where you can actually register for stuff. But don't be afraid to go by there and uh, talk to the folks that are back there to help field any of the questions that you might have. I'm not sure if they are in this auditorium or in the South Auditorium, but I just want to introduce uh, Dale and Beth Decker. Um, Would you stand if you're in... In the, they're right, right back here, and I know in the south you can't see them, but but uh, they are missionaries to India, and they have helped us when building this home of hope that we're building in outside Kolkata. Would you welcome them? They are just awesome people. Thank you. It's uh, just great to have people like them uh, helping partner with us and uh, getting it done. We we are going to dedicate that home of hope in November. And look forward to bringing you some footage of uh, all the hard work and the finances that you have been given through these years to make that a possibility to stop sex trafficking. And so thank you for that. Hey, um, you know, we're in a series. We're in a, our, our, our annual theme this year is Together for the Journey. We've been talking about what it means to do life together and what it means to, to trust each other, to lean on each other, to, to go through the processes of life like we do. The joyous and the not-so-joyous times together for the journey. When our teaching team sat down and said, what's a good summer series that kind of has week-to-week with people traveling and vacationing? We said, let's do something called Fit for the Journey. And that's what we're in. If you are new, we have a few weeks ago, we kicked off a summer series called Fit for the Journey. And it's sort of an analogy metaphor on being fit physically, which many people try to do in the summer. But we're applying these truths to our spiritual lives. What does it mean to be fit for the journey in a spiritual way? The disciplines of the mind, the heart, your passions, your habits, addictions. And and at some point, if we're going to talk about being spiritually fit, we have to talk about food. Right? Wouldn't you agree? So today I've called this message, You Are What You Eat. You are what you eat. How many of you realize that? You just don't like that reality. Okay? Uh, it's really true. Uh, here's a question I have for you. What did you eat for lunch four weeks ago on Thursday? 
Anybody know? Maybe a couple of you. Why? Because you have the same peanut butter and jelly every Thursday. You probably can't remember. And it's not that important that you can remember. But here's what's important that you know. It's important that you know whatever it was you ate four weeks ago Thursday became a part of you. It influenced who you are physically today. Sometimes the reason I tell you that is because sometimes we talk about, I can't remember a sermon three weeks ago. Well, that didn't mean it didn't influence you in your thinking in that moment. That's why it matters what we put into our mind. It's why it matters what we read and care about and think about. And so today is one of those days where I remember as a kid, when I started eating Oreos, I really believed that that was the best food on the earth. And that everyone needed to eat Oreos three times a day. How many of you are with me on that? I saw that they had actually now made a cereal, Oreo cereal, which I have never had, but I should. I, I think of all these things and all the challenges that we have when it comes to, to food and gaining that extra two or three pounds a year. I was reading in USA Today about that's sort of the norm and they blame it on chips. And potato chips are kind of the culprit. But there's, there's a lot of other things too. It's not just one item probably that gets us physically. It's our entire diet. And we have to look at all of it. And that's how it is with the kingdom of God. Today's going to challenge you a little bit because I'm going to, I'm going to shatter some myths maybe that you may have about what it means to be spiritually fit. Let's go to a book in the Bible called Timothy. Second Timothy. This is the second letter that Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young man who is working at a church. He's a young leader. He's doing the best he can. He has uh, done a great job. And Paul is encouraging him. He's instructing him. And Timothy is learning from Paul. Paul is sort of like his mentor. And so I want you to look at this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. Follow along in your Bible and, and notice it on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. Timothy, you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true. I want you to see a couple things there. First of all, he was taught these things. That means there's a teacher involved. You know they're true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. There's healthy relationship in this passage. The trust idea, friendship, authority. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. There's history there. And they have given you wisdom, the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. And then here's the famous verse that I want to just highlight today. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong. And it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. Last week, one of the points we talked about was the belt of truth, being the Word of God. If you're new to this thing called Faith or Christ, there's a book I would recommend about the Bible by Erwin Lutzer. It's called Why We Can Trust the Bible. It's an amazing book, and we need to be digesting the Word of God in our lives. When Jesus went into the wilderness and was tempted, there were three main areas he was tempted with. Every temptation that came to him, what was his first initial response to the enemy? He quoted from Scripture. That was his first thought, was because he had Scripture in his mind, 
And he could defend his position of where he was and resist that temptation based on the Word of God. And so it's very important for us to have Scripture in our lives. Now, I have kind of a fun outline here, so let's, let's dive in. Number one, on the back of your bulletin, follow along, take some notes. Starting with milk. All right? Starting with milk. We all started with milk at some point back there, and we can't deny that. It's a reality. It's true. But you've moved on, hopefully, to more than milk. In a spiritual sense, I watch people who live on milk spiritually their entire Christian life. Paul refers to milk as given to infants or baby Christians or immature Christians or believers who never really grow up. And he does this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The church is having some problems. They're fighting about stupid things. Can you imagine church people fighting over stupid things? I just can't imagine that. And he says this in chapter 3. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk. Not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. You still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. He gives some examples. You are jealous of one another. You quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? When one says, I'm a follower of Paul. Another says, I follow Apollos. You're acting just like the people of the world. Now, Paul's coming after them pretty good. Would you agree? It's, it's a pretty strong statement. How would you like it if you uh, opened a letter from uh, your pastor and it said, you're living like out of your sinful nature and you're immature, you little baby. Grow up. I mean, that's what he's saying. He wants to make something clear. He wants to say, it's time to move on from milk. Don't let your sinful nature rule you. So we all start with milk, even in a spiritual sense. We come to Christ and we enjoy growing in Him. But there's more. So let's go to number two. Enjoy some fast food. What would fast food be in our spiritual diet? What would fast food look like? Now, some of the things I'm going to say, here's where it might surprise you a little bit. um, Because all the things I'm going to list, first of all, are very, very good. Now, this is not in your outline because I ran out of room with all those blanks. But you might want to just jot them down to the side and think about how they apply to you. There's four things that I think Christians make spiritual fast food and they really don't ever grow up. It just sort of makes them fat and happy. And, and yet it's not really good in the long run. 25% of Americans eat fast food over 20 times a month. And it's a huge issue in our culture. And I, I don't think there's that much difference in the way we feed ourselves spiritually. So the first thing I'm going to say is this. Um, what would be fast food? I'm going to say Bible promises. A diet of only Bible promises is like fast food. Now... Before you throw stones at me, let me tell you, this Bible has some really great promises. Would you agree with that? And we need to read them, we need to know them, and we need to stand on this book. And I am thankful that we have these wonderful promises. I actually grew up in a home where we had different times in which we had a promise box on the table. Anybody else? And you, at breakfast, we would all, all the kids around the table, we'd pull, open the box and pull out our promise. Almost like a fortune cookie, you know? Pull, and, and there would be a scripture there, and it would be a scripture that had this 
great big promise that, that said something powerful about God, something he would give us and he would delight in and we would go, yay, that's a good promise. I'm holding on to that. See, if all we have is a diet of promises, then we begin to think God is just this big gooey chocolate bar who gives us anything we want. And we forget that there are obstacles in life and challenges in life that we have to face. And sometimes I watch Christians who walk with God forever, but they only know the promises of God. They're not interested in the culture of this book, the writing of this book, the challenges of this book. They're not interested in the times, the history, because all of that helps you understand the context of this book. And that's how we begin to mature as believers. Another thing is just a diet of love. If, if you just see Christianity as a diet of only love, everything is just love. Now, the Bible says faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Our theme at Timberline is let love live. So what am I doing saying everything's not about love? I'm saying that if we focus only on a diet of love, then we will make a lovey-dovey God out of God, and He is more than that. Then there starts to be the belief that there's no expectation on our part for behavior changes, for overcoming temptation. Well, God loves me. Yes, He does. But there's still a responsibility in our lives as maturing believers to own the things in our life that He's wanting to change in us and through us. So it's more than just a diet of love. Another one would be personal fulfillment. This is a fast food, a diet of personal fulfillment. But don't you know the Bible, Pastor Derry? He came that we might have life and life abundantly. We're free and there's abundant living and, and it is fulfillment. I know people who life is all about their happiness and their fulfillment. They've made it that way because of this cookie-giving God. And without even realizing it, they have become, they've started living a life that's completely a deception. And they believe God exists to bring me pleasure and to cause my life to be fulfilled at every level. And that's just not true. You know, you're going to have trials, tribulation, obstacles in this life. How many of you know that? The fall of man created a chain of events with dominion belonging to the enemy on this world, on this earth, that makes it tough to live here and be a believer. And, and it's a challenge. When you start living a fast food of, I just exist to be personally fulfilled, your God, that God, that God, that fake God, is, is going to disappoint you pretty quick. Because you're going to go through a trial, a devastation in your life at some point, and you're, you're going to lose your anchor because that anchor was never set if you think God is just about personally fulfilling you. There's more to God than that. Another one would be blessings, a diet of just blessings, where there's no suffering, no financial challenges, no trials, no struggles. It's very unrealistic, and yet American, the American church especially eats this kind of gospel up. So don't get stuck with just fast food, all right? Let's trust God. I, I love it when people, you know, have you ever tried this where you're just having a bad day and you say, God, I'm just going to open the Bible and just wherever... Wherever it falls, I'm just going to trust it's a word from you. Okay, this is, this is fast food. It's what this is. This is milk. This is immature living. And so you go, okay, let's try another one. Um. <laughs> right? Because it wasn't quite what you hoped for. And finally, the 11th one, you land on one you love, and it's like, God gave me his promise. 
I love the story of a guy who was desperate for God and he opened it up, you know, doing this thing and said, Judas went and hanged himself. He thought, well, that can't be of God. I better try that again. Go thou and do likewise. No, that, that, we, we know that's not of God. But see, sometimes in our immaturity, we like these little things that, that feel fluffy and fine instead of down at the core of our soul where we are being discipled. And how are we going to do that? How do we get rid of fast food? Let's go to number three. Let's try some salad and vegetables. All right? Let's try some salad and vegetables. I, how many of you grew up hating something that you had to eat? You were forced by brutal parents who abused you and made you eat liver and Brussels sprouts. Anybody? Brussels sprouts? Ugh, the boiled Brussels sprouts, was, that was like the worst to me. And, and then I had one other on my list was those lima beans. I, don't, I, li- I like them now, but I, I just I don't know that something about the texture of those as a kid. It was just awful. And why would someone, my idea was you'd get these mixed vegetables in a pack. Remember these? And they have like peas, carrots, beans. Why would they ruin it by putting lima beans in it? You know, so you're scraping all those lima beans over to the side. The idea and the quote from parents is this. I know you may not like it, but it's good for you. No, I hate it, and it's not good for me, and I shouldn't eat this. <laughs> That's how we feel, because we don't like it. There are some things in our lives, as we walk with God, that we're not going to like. Yes, God is a loving God, but I'm telling you, this is, this is as real as I, as I can get with you. There's some salad and vegetables that you and I need to make a part of our diet in order to be mature, in order to walk through the, the, the fire. Uh, the trial. Uh, let me give you a couple ideas. And again, they're not on your screen, but they're, they're just four things. I believe a good salad and vegetable is instruction. Are you willing to receive healthy instruction from, from other teachers, from other people, from other human beings? You know, this text in Timothy is Paul writing a letter instructing Timothy to do certain things and not to do certain things. Or in my life, am I someone that just says, well, I already know what to do and I don't need anybody's help. Because you know what I've seen? I've seen sometimes believers who have been believers for years are sometimes the worst at receiving instruction. They, they just won't. And it's just almost an arrogance there that I have walked with God longer than you. What, what do you have to teach me? And that's not the point. How many of you know we can learn from everybody? Children teach me some of the greatest lessons in life. So let's receive instruction. That's a salad. That's a vegetable. Another one is disciplines. What are are some disciplines that you need to cultivate in your life? It's not very fun learning to be disciplined when I eat. It's not very fun learning to be disciplined in planning my time. Or disciplined in the things that I do. Disciplined in my calendar. Disciplined in my punctuality. But that becomes a wonderful trait of a mature believer when I can live with proper restraint in my life. When I can say, God, because of you, I know I have a tendency toward anger or a tendency toward lust or a tendency toward greed or whatever it might be in your life. And I need to find the place of discipline. I'm going to eat some salad and vegetables. This is not the thing I would like to work on. It's not that fun. But I know I'm growing as I eat these things and work with people in my life. Will I learn self-control? Another one would be accountability. You know? Uh, that's a big word and it's thrown around a lot these days. Who knows you? 
Okay, who knows you? Who knows you well enough to say, oh man, Joe, he, th- these are his two biggest weaknesses. Um, is there someone in your life who knows you well enough that can help you, that can bring accountability in love to call you on it? I hope you have that because that's a salad and vegetable. It's not very comfortable. It's not very fun. It's not the best part of living for God, but it's needed in my diet. And so putting the proper lines out there and the right fences allow me to live with accountability. Another one would be uh, accepting consequences of my actions. Um, I think I think that's a salad and a vegetable. That's something that's not always easy to do. But when I get to the place where I can say, you know what, I blew it. And there's a consequence here. <laughs> and, you know, you use those credit cards too long, there's a day to pay. Right? Um, in anything in life, it's important that we get this right. Because uh, I, I see people who wound others and never say they're sorry. I see people who get themselves in a total mess in life. And they blame God instead of accepting responsibility for themselves to say, you know what, I did something really stupid and I've got to undo that and I'm sorry and I need to pay attention so that I don't do that again. I think the salad and vegetables in our lives help us to walk in maturity and grow in God and live authentic Christianity. Number four, how about those meat and potatoes? You knew we'd get to the fav- my favorite part, right? Anybody say once in a while, I'm just a meat and potato person. Okay, a few of you. Well, here's what I want to do with this this point is I want to just talk about grilling out for a minute. Because when I think of meat and potatoes, I'm a grill guy. I love grilling out. We grill out multiple times every week. And something sort of hit me when I was building this message about grilling out. I, I don't ever grill out by myself. Now, some of you might, and that's fine. I think it's cool if you do, but I just wouldn't have the thought. I might now that I thought of it, <laughs> but I was thinking back. When was the last time I grilled out just, just me, by myself? I just haven't. Why? Because to me, I want to I use this metaphor, meat and potatoes, is all about the people in our lives. It's all about the gathering of how we do life with one another. And when God said it's not good for man to be alone, he knew what he was talking about. And we need relationships that are healthy. So I'm going to just say the meat and potatoes are the people. And again, I have three groups that I just want to throw out there to have you think about. Someone to mentor us. We all need a mentor. And that's someone who can teach us things we do not know. They have life experience we don't have. Um, another one is, I think, meat and potatoes are just social gatherings, like, like even coming to church like this. You say, well, I don't know everybody in here. Well, of course not. You don't need to. But there's something that pleases the heart of God for you to come in and gather. The Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because there's something powerful about us saying, we're the church and we worship God together and we receive instruction together. It's good that we assemble we live in Colorado, so I hear it all the time. Well, I don't believe in that organized stuff. I take my canoe and my dog, and we go up to the lake and tell you God meets us there. How many of you know God's on the lake with the canoe and the dog? He's there. He's there. But there's more in this book than that immaturity and that milk. See, that's just milk. But there's more when we gather and we struggle and we get through. We do the one another's of the Bible. And your feathers get ruffled and you've got to work it out. And there has to be some talking and confrontation gets solved. And we don't just walk away mad. 
but we are mature enough. We are the body of Christ that glorifies God. Social gatherings are very important. And then small groups would be the last one I would just say. Um, I hope you're in a small group. I have two kind of technical small groups that I'm in and then another one that just happens uh, naturally. But but I love my small groups and I, I can do real life there. And and I'll tell you, they have helped me mature as a person, as a husband, as a father, uh, the, the insight that I have. By the way, we're launching some new small groups this fall. We're going to be doing an, another one of those uh, video small group series. It's going to be on Ecclesiastes. And it's really fascinating. We've been working on it this summer. And so you'll have a chance to sign up for a small group. I hope you will. Because other people's opinion helps you grow. You say, well, I don't like other people's opinion. <laughs> That's your problem. <laughs> That's why you need it. <laughs> That's why you need it. <laughs> Let's laugh with others and sometimes even at ourselves. I'm going to make one statement before we move on to that last section. And it's this, and it sounds crazy, but I just want to say it. Reading the Bible is not enough. Jesus, there's instruction. We read it today, Paul. All Scripture is inspired. We need to be reading this book. But why did Jesus call 12 guys around him to do life with? Because, yes, we read this book, but to make application and to live it out requires relationship. And so please be in healthy relationship. The last thing here is, what is a balanced diet when it comes to our spiritual lives? What, what, what does it look like? And I just quickly, I'm going to go pretty quick through these, but I just wanted it in your notes. And there's, I think, six components that really are a good judge of how healthy you are in your and how mature you are in your walk with God. Number one is my relationship with God. It's powerful because that's where it starts. If you're here today in one of these auditoriums and you don't know Christ personally, you've never confessed your sin to Him and decided to follow Him, I want to tell you something. You have something to look forward to. He'll be your greatest friend. It's the greatest and strongest relationship you can have on this earth. God is real. And so start with that. It's so beautiful yesterday. We had baptisms. We baptized uh, over 60 people up at Horsetooth Reservoir. Anybody there from here? Okay, yeah, a few of you. It was just fabulous. And another 17, I think, or 18 out at Windsor Lake. Uh, some of you were there. And to watch tears fall out of people's eyes as we said, Why are you being baptized? Because I found Jesus Christ to be real in my life. And I want to live for Him. And I want to obey Him. And the emotion of that moment and the power of that relationship, just these people beaming, coming up out of that water, was such a blessing. Matter of fact, you're going to see some of the video footage next weekend. Number two, the formation of my theology. The formation of my theology is just, it's a huge thing. What do you believe and why? Now this is where a lot of people get hung up. And let me just make a suggestion. Your theology is formed by multiple things. It's formed by what you read. Every book you read changes you. Um, it, your theology is formed by what you are told. Listening to me, Jeff, Dick, Rob, other teachers, Brent, uh, here at Timberline, is going to begin to form your theology. That's why you need to learn to eat the meat and leave the bones. 
does it line up with this book? I want accountability at this pulpit. And it's important that we have that. And so we talk a lot about what food comes across this desk. It matters to God. Our theology is formed also by our experiences. I promise you, some of you have had experiences that changed your theology. You wondered where God went because of something that happened. Our, our theology is formed by our relationships. Some of you who had terrible experiences with a mom or a dad or a grandparent or abuse or emotional abuse or physical abuse. abuse. Listen, that shapes your theology. It's hard to trust Father God if you couldn't trust your father on this earth. There are real issues that you have to walk through. And God can help you, but these are real. And our circumstances sometimes reshapes our theology. On and on I could go. Number three. The people that I, I would ask you to have in your life, I've put it just simple. Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. Because in Scripture, all three of these guys mean something different. A Paul would be a mentor, teacher, influencer in your life. Do you have one? Someone you can look to who's giving into your life. Uh, a Barnabas, what would he be? An encourager. Son of encouragement is what that name means. If you read Barnabas, he's always encouraging people. And he's just one of those delightful guys. You, you guys, all of you need an encourager in your life. Life is tough. And we need someone who can believe in us and invest in us. So get that person there. And then a Timothy, what would that be? Someone that you are investing in. If you just let people speak into your life and encourage you, it's the Dead Sea, right? No outlet. The Great Salt Lake, no outlet. And it just is going to smell bad, right? But when you begin to give out and you have a young Timothy in your life, things happen. Number four is the giving and serving of my life. Where do you give? And when I say giving, I mean time, talent, and treasure. And then where do you serve? It might be here at Timberline. It might be in a school. It might be in a community. Serve somewhere. That is part of a healthy diet for God's people is giving and serving. If you're not doing those two things, you're drinking milk. It's not enough. Number five, the work and the rest of my life. See, these balances are powerful. We see it in the, in the Godhead when on the seventh day, God rests. There's something really powerful about you and I learning how to work hard and play hard. And, and, and both are really important. Some people feel guilty when they rest or they take a break. And I just want to get that blanket off of you. Rest is a critical part of you being healthy. It needs to be something in your diet that makes you a healthy believer. And then the last thing is the priority of relationship, relationships in my life. Will you set proper structure in the priority of the relationships that you have. And what I mean by that, is God really first in your life? Are you putting, if you're married, that spouse ahead of yourself in priority and love, to love them fully? I, I sometimes meet people who are more committed to their league softball teammates than they are their family. It, it's amazing to me. And we've got to be people who have our priorities lined up in a place that when people know us and they see us inside and out, they say, that person, that person has proper priorities and they love the right people. And they sense that it's God who puts and lives that and breathes that in us. And I'll tell you, it's not always easy. You guys, I want this so bad for us. I want to just raise the bar today. I want you to be challenged. 
I, I want you to just really ask the tough question. How much milk do you drink? How, how far is your theology formed? How are you living your life in a way that says, I am challenged by this book and I'm going to devour it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your heart in this room right now. For your love, your mercy, your grace. Thank you. Lord, I feel consumed with this a little bit today because I just know in my own journey how important it is that I keep growing. That I can't just coast very long. There's another hill to climb. And it's not evil or bad. And I don't have to dread it. Lord, I don't want you to let anyone feel like they need to do something they dread. But I pray that you'll put some things in our diet that will cause us to grow and to be strengthened. That life will be more than just about us. Wow. With heads bowed, you know, I just asked this question. What are you feeding your mind? What are you reading? What are you looking at? What's filling you up? Big, big stuff. Is it a healthy diet? And if God would prompt you, guys, this isn't a guilt game. I don't do guilt. I don't think guilt is a good motivator. It's effective, but it creates resentment later. So don't respond out of guilt. I want you to really trust the Holy Spirit to talk to you right now. If you just say, there's some things I need to change in my diet, in terms of what you're putting in your life, your mind, your heart, your passions. I want to pray over you. And it's probably all of us to some degree, but I'm talking to some of you who would say there's some specific things that you know you need to remove from your diet or you need to add to that will make you stronger, that will advance you in your growth as a, as a believer. Could you just slip up a hand to God right now? I want to pray over you. You can put them right back down. God, thank you for brothers and sisters as a part of this family today whom we love and we join their hand in a spiritual sense to pray with them and over them for the battle of their mind that they would have a new diet that they would be fit for the journey in their thinking in their attitude God in the pain of their life in the places where they've been hurt and wounded and there's some desperation even there some disappointment there God be a God who brings healing today. Let them know you love them and you care about them. And you can help them. Secondly, I just want to pray over some of you who might say, I, I need to make a new priority in my relationships. Um, this isn't just about your fulfillment. I hear people, well, I'm just not fulfilled in my marriage. I'm just not fulfilled by this. I'm not. Well, it's not really about you. It's about honoring God and trusting Him. And it's, it's a hard decision, but it's a, it's a commitment. That we have to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suck it up and do what God wants me to do and is asking me to do. How many of you would just raise your hand to say, I want to make a priority commitment today. And I want God to be talking to me this week as I, as I make some shifts. Hold your hand up if that's you. Lord, we're doing that right now by faith. It's a start now. It's just a start. And remind us, help us to write this down. Put it in front of us daily and keep us following you. God, may we hear the right drum. And may we march at the right speed with the right people. Lord, if there's anyone in these rooms that just don't know you personally, may this be their day, oh God, to say, forgive me, Lord, of my sin. Cleanse me. By faith, I believe you died on that cross for me and rose from the dead. And I give you my life. 
I accept forgiveness by faith. If you, if that's you, just say those words right now. Jesus can be your best friend and your God. Lord, we thank you and we love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. It matters what you eat. It really does. Let's, uh, let's be fit. Let's be fit for the journey. Ushers come. Would you, let's receive.